team, family, squadron. <laughs> I'm laughing because I just had to re-record the intro for the first time. But today we have an amazing, wonderful, and tremendous guest. A former roommate. Some might call him Strokes. Some might call him Hammy. Some might call him Alfie. Or you might just know him as Jake. A master in finance, our senior director of strategy here at The Grit. We're thrilled to have on Jake Hammy. I can't wait to pick his brain. But as for right now, welcome out to yet another episode of The Landing Pad. Jake Hamilton, welcome to the landing pad. Thank you. Could not be uh, more excited to be here with you too. It just made sense. Today when I woke up and I knew that Hammy was going to be on the landing pad, I just felt like it was right. Ethan, did you feel that when you woke up? Yeah, I just felt smarter. Knowing I did. that I was going to be across the table from from Hamel Biscuits all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hammy, we are so happy that first time. Yeah. First time. Yeah. And I, I, it could not feel more right. Before we get into picking this guy's very big, very intelligent brain, let's get into some grit news. Shall mm. we? Right now, before we do, let's go in a different order. We had the February February Blitz this last week. A group of veterans, about 45 dogs, went out for the week and had an amazing experience in OKC with Romex. The guys went out there. Uh, Parker led the squad for the first three days. Then we had, like, Shear and Holly running the squad for this, the last three days. The squad put on a little over $500,000 in revenue in OKC in February. Yeah, one uh, a handful of the days. From what I saw with wind chill, it was like 16, 17 degrees. 11, there, 11 so. degrees. Yeah, just aggressive. Really impressive stuff, guys. And they stepped up. They got the job done. Uh, it's a great way to get uh, a head start on your goal. So those thir- those like 50 guys and girls that were out there, congrats. Uh, next up, we've got a March Blitz, the ni- excuse me, the 19th through the 26th. Another week, this week will be in Dallas, Texas. If you're a veteran and if you qualified for the company trip, you are invited. So mark your calendars, make some plans. Be there. Be there. Uh, A last bit of great news. We've got the John Hancock Invitational. Easton, please uh, take that away. The John Hancock Invitational, a.k.a. the Rumble of Recruiting, a.k.a. the most prolific competition since the Grail Jam, since it's been like a whole week. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm so excited about this competition. It's a new initiative that The Grid is putting on, and it's a f- frenzy, a huge push for the month of March, uh, a recruiting incentive. Uh, the, the prizes are awesome, and the organization that has the highest percentage of growth the last two weeks gets 20K. Uh, can you clarify that for somebody that doesn't know what that means? So... Uh, the, w- 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 You mean $20,000? Yeah, no, $20,000, mm. not bucks. Uh, the expensive stuff. <laughs> Dollars. Yeah. yeah, 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 the expensive stuff. So if you're not recruiting, if you weren't already incentivized enough, if you didn't listen to Drew's training last night and hear the number one way to mitigate 
risk of having a bad experience over the summer is to have reps. If that's not enough, we're also going to give you some incentives on top of it. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see how March unfolds. I'm so thrilled to see uh, the results, and I'm, I'm excited to see everyone ramp really aggressive right before the summer. So. Yep, and, it, and that starts the the time for those last two weeks. I want to say it's the 20th of March. So when this drops, it'll be right around like the 15th-ish of uh, by next Monday, we'll be right in the thick of it. Yeah. But by the time that that drops, you'll basically have two weeks. And in those two weeks, the org with the highest percentage of growth gets $20,000 to go towards your program for the summer. So go hard. Just a great reason to yep, burn the chips and uh, have success. That's it for the great news. Easton. Yeah, you know what time it is. You know, you know what time it is. I do. Now, we're going to do something a little different today. We've still got <laughs> hot takes. Oh. But... We're going to do top tens, and not only is our guest, Mr. Hamilton, going to give top tens, but for the first time, I believe, in landing pad history, ever, Garth and I will also be giving our top tens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is, I mean, we hear a lot of top tens. If anyone, I I feel like, has got a good grip on who's putting who in what place, it's Garth and I, because we're hearing it every week. So we've got our top tens, but guest first, Senior Director of Strategy, Jacob Hamilton. Let's hear your top tens, starting with ten, brother. Starting with 10. Okay, number 10, I have our guy Adam Hayrend. Mm-hmm. Number 9, Corbin Hansen. Number 8, Nathan Hawley. Number 7, Caleb Grundell. 6, Bennett Hayrend. 5, my my guy, James Fox. Don't sleep on Fox. Don't. He's good. Never. He's really good. Mr. 800. That's right. Number 4, Chucky Mills. Three, the Sarge, Cody Olive, two, Brock Grieve, and number one, the air Zach Seer. Yeah. Yeah, that's potent stuff. Yeah. It's hard for me to see Bennett and Adam this year in the same office. Bennett go off and Adam not not follow suit. Yeah. And for James, this is his year. He's in terms of talent, selling talent, he's as good as good as good as we have this year. Yeah. And what I love about this episode of Landing Pad too, I don't think we even said this. This is going to be a lot more of like a roundtable discussion, right? We brought Hammy on because he has such a different perspective. He's been able to peel back the layers. He's, it's going to be an awesome opportunity for all of us to just share in these experiences and, uh, and all the knowledge. That's why we're also doing our top tens. But I think it only makes sense that Easton goes next. All right. I'll say it once and only once. Here we go. The top ten starting at ten. Adam Heron, my guy. Whoa. Nine. Caleb Grundell. Eight. Jimmy Jamo Fox, seven, Alec Withers, six, Corbin Hansen, five, Bennett Herond, four, Chuck Mills, three, The Sarge, two, Seeger, and one. I think he's going to shatter the industry record. Wow! I think he's going to have the biggest summer of all time, and I think I think he's going to be flirtatious with some goat debates. Who is it? Brock Reeve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- wow. I think he does it. I think he does it in a way that's going to shock the world. Wow. Okay. All right. My top ten. I said what I said. You said what you said. You can't take it back. I said what I said. You said what he said. Listen up. Number ten. This one is one that I am so excited about. And this week, for some reason, Harambe whispered, and this is a fact. This will happen, and you guys missed out. Number number ten. Ralph Holding. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that guy! I sat down with him for an hour the other day. He's hungry. He's 
turned on the switch. Ralph is coming for blood. Yeah, he's going to shock the world. Dude, he's so good, too. He's been good forever. He's been good forever. Yeah. He sold for two months by himself in in Tam- Florida. In Tampa, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. He's, he's still sold like 500 accounts. Like, okay. But this year, I talked to him. He wants it. Nine, Corbin Hansen. Eight, Caleb Grundell. Seven, our brother in Christ, Nathan Hawley. My guy. Six, Zachary Kinzel. Five, Chuck. Four, Bennett. Three, Cody. This was so tough. This was so tough. I put Rocket, too. Something was telling me one, but I just... Seager just earned it last year, but I'm going to go Brock and then Seager. That's, That's my top 10. And But I would not be surprised if Brock won it, just like what you just said. I think those two dog fight all summer long. And I don't... Wait. It's not going to be like... It's it's going to be so close. Yeah, I, I really do think it's going to be close. If it were a blowout, like either way, or anybody were leaps and bounds ahead of the pack this year, I'd be really, really shocked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be, I think for sure, it at least is going to be two. But I think I could foresee there being three, four guys who are in the mix every week. Yeah, I do too. So which is, which I, is fun. It's an endurance race. It's going to be crazy. Well, it's going to be great to see. So hopefully you got those top 10 because after listening to that, this message will self-destruct and you'll never be able to listen to those back. Correct. Moving on to some verses. First up, by demand. Not even by request. This man demanded that I did the, the that we did the verses. We've got actually Hammy's guy. Castlemania. Hunter Castle versus Juddy McJudster. Let's start with the guest, Hammy. Wow, so... I for for a brief time last summer I was out there in uh in the trenches in Harrisburg with Castlemania and Juddy Hall. Castlemania sold he had a five days first week. Not many people know that. That guy knows how to sell. It should it's be fast. close. He he should sell a lot. He actually should. But I gotta go with track record with experience. I'm going to go with Judd. Yeah. I'm going to, and that's probably good for Castlemania to hear, honestly. Mm-hmm. But it, it it could be, and it should be, it should be close. But I'm going with Judd. East. I love the dog. I love the dog, Castle. Love the heart. Love the zeal. He does have the heart of a lion, for I the record. The, I love the gusto. Mm-hmm. But Justin, if you're listening to this, I'm pushing my chips into our guy, Juddy Hall. I've got Juddy by 100K. That's a lot. I said I, what I said. I'm kind of like it's it's my job to have an opinion, and it's I, I'm, a, I'm it, f- coming out with hot takes like my guy Colin Coward. Yep, <laughs> come out. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm I, I believe you. I believe you. I am going to go with my heart on this one, you guys. My heart is telling me yes. <laughs> I've got to go with. Jenny, dang it, dude! I wanted to. I think Castlemania just has to prove himself this year. Shock the world, would you please? Let's do it. Hmm. I hope this doubt just fuels the wildest self-belief in Castlemania comes out. We might have a, a little period a of insanity Castlemania this summer. We need yeah. it. kind of pops off a little I would, bit. I would, there's nobody I would love to see pop off and beat Juddy more than Castlemania. Correct. But I, I'm a tracker. I'm a numbers guy. Economics. Next up, we've got a couple guys that are actually out to prove themselves. A couple guys that are good buddies. A couple guys that I love and are near and dear to my heart. Number one. Senior Bo Barbin, number two, Preston Strickland. Who do we got? 
I'll say there wasn't, there weren't two guys this summer that I was on the phone with more than both of these guys. <laughs> so you know them. I know them very well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're best friends. They're dating sisters. Yeah. The people didn't know that, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Bo. And I really want Preston, not that I want Preston to beat him, but I want it to be close. I want them to both sell a lot, but I think Bo beats him. Dog fight. I think Bo's that guy. Fast forward four or five years, Bo's one of the best. Yeah. I think fast forward a year. Yeah, 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 for sure. He's good. Yeah, yeah. Easton. I think Preston's going to get real dangerous this year. <laughs> People sleep, and I don't know why. People sleep. Homie's like 330. He's a rookie. I think Preston's going to have a, a really like huge, great growth year. I think he's going to be one of the best managers we have. I think he's one of the best leaders we have. For sure, one of the best people that we have. Yeah. So it makes sense that he becomes one of the best sellers that we have, too. I've got our guy, Preston Strickland, but not by a landslide whatsoever. Bo is going to absolutely rip. I think to win this thing, it's going to take 500K minimum. Can I disagree with something you said? Please. I think Bo wins. I think Bo wins. Listen, I love Preston more than anybody can love that man. I love him. He's the godfather of my child. Right. I don't know if that's like a paper or something, but but I think that Bo is so hungry this year. I think Bo's going to do 500K. Maybe more. Dude, that guy could F around and get a golden door. He is that good. So I think I think Bo wins. And I think he kind of hands it to Preston. We'll see how things shake out. Because Preston is going to be managing the team. We'll see how things shake out. We'll see. we'll see how things shake. These out. were hot takes. These were kind Three of times impressive. Three for this. It's time. It's time. It's 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 uh, feather ruffling season. That's all I know. I knew you were going to say that, and I almost said it for you. It's time to rock the boat. Let's wait. Hey, well, let's let's get let's get weird. Let's get weird. <laughs> let's get wild. It is selling season. The summer's a month away for anybody. It's actually about a little less than a month away if you're listening to this. Yeah, it's a spooky thing. Can't wait. Wild. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, those were the hot takes. Hopefully, they were hot. Hopefully. Then I thought somebody was barbecuing. They were takes. All right, moving on to the meat and potatoes. <laughs> moving on to the meat and potatoes. Uh, so this episode, the, 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 the direction we're wanting to take this, as everybody knows, hopefully you've seen, if you haven't, look at our Instagram. Our top three pinned posts is kind of the direction and what we want to talk about on this episode. We, wanna, we brought Hammy in because he has just such a different perspective, Having sold, having been behind the scenes, having been deep in the data, deep in the strategy, it's going to be an awesome opportunity for us to talk about what really matters, right? But before we do, let's get to know our guy, Hammy, for, you know, a few seconds from Holiday, correct? Yep. From Holiday, local, homegrown, Mm -hmm. good guy, served a mission. Honduras. Honduras. Loved it. Go Titans. I love that. Go Titans. Love that. Yeah. Uh, You... uh, did your undergrad at the University of Utah, go Utes, uh, in accounting, mm-hmm. in accounting, and then you got your master's in finance from Utah as well, Yeah, you as well. You were you you slaved away and you worked hard in the trenches for three years, right? Meaning I sold, sold. I knocked doors, yeah. I did the thing. Yeah. The, tre- the trenches. Yeah. And uh, now this is your first year coming up on a year as the senior director of strategy mm-hmm. here at the Grit. Yeah. Right. So that being said, um, I think we're all really excited to have you on and for you to give us your perspective and to really think about it. Easton, you want to take it away with yeah, the first yeah. question? Hammy, just so that the people listening can have a little bit more insight and context into exactly what your job entailed, specifically last summer, could you go through what it looked like day to day, mostly what you were overseeing, and then the importance of, of what you were doing? Yeah. So honestly, I had I had my hand in a lot of different 
projects and, and tools and resources uh, during the summer, but basically anything that any possible way that I could help reps or teams or the company as a whole increase production or capture more of their revenue that had already been produced. That that's what I was that that was ultimately my job, right? And sometimes that looked like a rep would get copped out of an area and I was the person that they would call so that the manager didn't have to worry about that and take time off of the doors, right? Sometimes that looked like uh, somebody couldn't get their app to work. Basically, I was just the first point of contact for any problems that like reps or managers had like during the summer, whether that was with with routing, with area, cops, w- w- whatever that looked like, right? And so we sold for three different companies last year. And one of the companies that we sold for required that uh, the customer had to be home for the first treatment, right? Which which is totally fine. And it created, it did create some some more like intricacies with routing as I like how, how to make them more efficient so that you could schedule certain jobs for morning slots, hopefully like make sure the customers are home and then have, but still have same days later and try to maximize that. But due to the fact that customers had to be home, you'd have a little bit more jobs reschedule. And so any job that would reschedule, I would, because the customer wasn't home, I would make a note of it, write down who sold the job. And every two or three days, I would send a list to the entire company of jobs that needed to be rescheduled and send them to the managers or to the reps and team chats and pronto and make sure that those jobs are getting back on routes just to try to make sure that we're, that once again, because these, these jobs, these are accounts that have already been sold, right? We're trying to yeah. get them on the books, make sure that that gets captured, right? We had a report called the Wounded in Action Report that was that would basically show, okay, if a certain rep or a certain team is selling their initial, the initial price of like their, of their, of their deals below a certain threshold for more than like two weeks at a time, they were now on the wounded in action report. And so yeah. now the goal is to try to bump that up. Right. And we'd, we'd run initiatives and like training show the company on, on, on how to do that. Uh, same thing for like, so the service ratio, uh, rider citizen cancels and all contract the all, value. contract value, right? Whatever the lever was that, that we, that we thought that we could try to pull and manipulate just to try to increase, increase the production that, that we were, that we were capturing as a company. Right. And t- sometimes I remember Parker, I remember getting a call from Parker Anderton or a text during the summer. And he asked me like, Hey, is there anything that like specific managers are doing during the summer? Like in their pronto, like with their teams to like, that like seems really good. And I'm like, yeah, Drew does this thing where when it's late at night, he'll send a selfie when it's dark and Hey, who, who's crawling with me? Where, where are my night crawlers at? Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's just dumb. It doesn't sound like it makes a difference, but all of a sudden when, when your, your leader, your manager is, is doing things like that, it just drives the narrative that this is what the group's about. This is what we do. Right. So then yeah. Parker would start doing that. And all of a sudden people start knocking later deals flow in and, and it just, once again, it just increases overall production. As a follow-up to that, your perspective must have changed really drastically from a third year going into your fourth year sales rep and manager to being senior director of strategy with all of the nuanced, uh, like different levers and pulleys that you were overseeing over the summer. What would you say is the biggest difference in your perspective from being a rep slash manager to being corporate and really in the data and into the, the, the process on the back end. Yeah. So when you're, when you're out there selling as a rep, it's, it's super easy to look at things on both like a short term view, but also like a very individualistic view, right? Yeah. Or it's like, Oh, I'm just like, I'm just trying to get out there and sell, sell five accounts today. Right. And then one cancels and Oh my gosh, like I got to cancel. Oh my gosh, I got copped out. My app's not working on service 
like mm-hmm. whatever it yeah. is, it just like everything just seems like it's a big deal to you. Right. And then taking a step back on more on, on the corporate side um, and seeing the company from a more like holistic view. I remember hearing when I was just a rep, like Drew and Skyler and Parker and all, all of our East End guards, everybody talk about like, oh, it's about doing the little things. Right. And I would, and to be honest, I didn't really know what that meant. Like, okay, doing the little things, like, like what, what does that mean? Right. But then seeing that more from like a company perspective, especially like, okay, it's all the little things that the managers do to make sure that like their reps have a successful experience, right. To maximize their earnings and, and, and maximize their, uh, their experience. It's all the little things that we as a company do to make sure we have a good relationship with, with like the operations side, with the technicians, with the branch managers, yeah. right. It's all little things that we do as a marketing team to make sure that we're, we're broadcasting our results and our, our people in the best way. So that it's fun to work here uh, that it's enticing and that it accurately displays and portrays the picture or the, or the story that we're trying to tell. Right. So overall it was just like, wow, there really are so many of the little things that go into making, making that this company of, of teenagers and young adults, a successful and fun and good place to work. Yeah. Well, that's hearing you say that it's so true. When you first start as a rep, everything is so micro. To you, it's a macro, right? Yeah. Like it, you lose a sale. Everything's a big like, deal, yeah. You're like, oh, I lost a sale. Like, dude, the sky is falling. Where, obviously, when it's on a, you know, you're thinking about yourself, you think it's like a big deal. But it, maybe it's something really, really small. But I love when when Hammy came in and you started to look at things on more of a macro level. One cancel for one person because the technician was running late wasn't that big of a deal. But it's happening to one. That most likely means it's happening to 60 other people. 60 accounts being canceled for the same reason because something is off. That is 3% of the production for the day. Okay, then you start looking at other things. Like, oh, there's one little lever that we could pull to make it better. Service to sales ratio. Okay, this technician is only getting five jobs a day. What if that tech could actually do seven jobs a day? What if all the techs could do seven jobs a day? That increases the production from that day 14%. What if this, this is what, right? It's so interesting and I feel like Ben kind of had that vision of like, okay, there's a lot of things you can't just snap your fingers. You can't just snap your fingers and rep start selling more. You can't. You can snap your fingers and work on this little thing to increase production by 1%, this by 3%, this by, and all of a sudden, yeah, you don't have to increase your sales by 20%, but you can increase service sales ratio. You can increase contract value. You can increase, 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 increase. Yikes, that was gross. (laughs) You can increase a bunch of little things that can get it to 20%. And I think adding you to the team was just integral in figuring that out. Yeah. And and just one real quick, one thing I'll say about that too is I feel like a lot of things we we did or tried this summer were not necessarily like off the cuff, but they were kind of just like trial trial and error, right? Like, what if we try this or what what if we do this, right? And we we honestly learned so much from this summer, right? That I, I, I'm excited for this next summer just to try to implement more and just like, see, I'm, I'm a nerd. I like the numbers. I like, I like to try to make them like, I just like the numbers or whatever. And I'm excited to see how good we can, we can actually really be this summer on like the operation side and just doing, doing everything that, that I tried to do last time with pulling the levers and whatnot. Yeah. I think it's so interesting on the point that Garth was making. Trying to make at least. (laughs) (laughs) Attempting. No, my, my point is like, when you're talking about one, two percent as a rep, you're talking about a handful of deals. Yeah. The the longer you're around and the more you scale, 
And as you move your way through the company and, and just have your hand in more projects, like Hammy was saying, you realize that one or two points off a basis of 67 million or 100 yeah. million or multiple 100 million is actually a ton of revenue and a ton of earnings and a ton of profit. And, and overall, it just the stakes become significantly higher. So in my opinion, I think what changes is just the weight that you talk about things, where it becomes 1% is, you know, whatever. The difference between 17 and 18% attrition over a sample size of 20 reps knocking wherever in Columbus or where have you yeah, is a lot different than 1% or 2% off your base of accounts when you're doing hundred thousand accounts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my, my point is, is w without Hammy, without us saving that extra one, two, three percent, the difference between us having whatever twenty one percent attrition versus having twenty four percent attrition, that's hundreds, hundreds of, of thousands of dollars, so almost much. millions of dollars that that could be potentially saved. And so the importance of what Hammy does, while it m almost never gets recognized and almost never gets talked about, is making more money for the company than almost any single other thing that we are Facts. doing. Facts. And what's so cool, it's like we, we say this all the time. We're not, you know, we're not door to door. We're not summer sales bros, but we're like, we're we're business people. This is one huge example of that. It's not just, hey, go out and sell as much as you can. Hoorah. Like, no, no, no. Go out and sell as much as you can. Then let's do everything we possibly can behind the scenes to make sure that that comes to fruition, to make sure that we uh, maintain all of those jobs. Now, moving forward, I, we want to touch for a second, and this honestly is the perfect segue into this, the verified post that we just posted, mm -hmm. right? Like I said, go check out the Instagram, go look at the top three pinned posts. What we did, and honestly, I think before we even talk about what we did, we can talk about like why we did it, um, right? And the reason why we did this, right? In this industry, it is infamous for having reps, managers, recruiters, just say whatever the heck you want to try to get recruits and it's slimy and it's kind of gross. There's always, you know, truth to what people are saying, but there's never a full truth. So here at the grit, we kind of just got tired of it, right? We got tired of having our name dragged through the mud. We got tired of people saying our attrition was X was 45% that our, that we only did this much revenue that we had this many reps. It just got to the point where like, dude, we're so proud of our numbers. We're so proud of what we did. Why don't we just, you know, if we could shout it from the rooftop, let's do that. The most efficient way to do that and the most trusted way to do that was to get our numbers verified, right? So what we did, we got all of the numbers that we believe are numbers that everybody would want to see. Whether they were good, whether they were bad, we didn't care. We wanted to put it all out there for the public to see. So what we did, we went in and Hammy was a huge part of this. We got all these different data points. We pulled the data, we compiled the data, we organized the data, and Hammy and John took it over to the Sam Taggart door-to-door -door experts auditing team. You guys were over there for a couple hours. They looked through everything, our commissions paid out, our numbers, our averages, our attrition, our contract values, everything, right? And we got it verified. We got the stamp of approval saying everything that the grit sat down and showed me is legit. Cause dude, the cool thing about door-to-door -door experts, dude, they don't care. They don't care about us. They just don't have a horse in the, they don't have a dog in the fight. They don't have a horse in the race. No. It, it's, it's the purpose uh, and our purpose as well. And why there was so much alignment between Sam and our teams is because we want to like quote, you know, up level and bring honor to the door to door industry. Like, yeah, that is what we want to do. And I think the most tried and true way to do that is just through transparency and honesty. Yep. 
And so the quote that we put on that we put on one of the posts that I think sums up the whole experience is being honest makes you vulnerable. Be honest anyways, or being transparent makes you vulnerable. Yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. Mother Teresa, Mama T. Mm-hmm. My point is though, is like, yeah, for sure. Like we knew we were inheriting the risk of so-and-so recruiter from every company under the sun taking our verified results full well knowing that other companies might not follow the same path and go and get their, their results and numbers and data audited full well knowing that that could get twisted and turned and pulled and, and beaten down in every recruiting meeting that anyone ever does against the grit. But just like mother Teresa said, it's worth it to be honest anyways. Yep. Because for years, in my opinion, there just, there hasn't been like a baseline. There hasn't been like, how can you ever know what is good and what is not good if there's never any official baseline? Like, imagine if we were trying to have a debate on who the greatest basketball player or greatest basketball dynasty of all time was, but no one measured statistics. No stats. Yeah. And like, and like, it wasn't the NBA bookkeepers keeping stats. You had to go and ask if you wanted Celtic stats, you go and ask the Celtics. Well, like the winners write the history books anyway. So it's like, yeah, oh, hey, LeBron, how many points do you score? A lot. No, it's <laughs> the like, most. It's like, yeah, the, so it's my, my point is just like greatness is, is relative in, in a lot of regards, especially when it comes to results, not the process, the result, great results. And so I think if for nothing else, we were due for something like this and the industry was due for something like this, just so that there's some kind of baseline, whether you think our numbers were good or bad or amazing or horrible, at least there's a baseline now. At least there's something out there for people that compare and contrast with that is audited, verified, and authenticated. Because mm-hmm. without it, what's good, what's bad, it's literally entire, It's been entirely arbitrary up to this point. So I don't know how we've gone this long, but I'm sure glad we've done it. Hammy, what were, when we first came to you, we were like, hey, this is what we're thinking. What were your initial thoughts in the whole process? Yeah, like, I've, I've, I've thought ever since I got into the industry that, like, Although it's an amazing industry, there's always been like a disconnect between summer sales and door to door and like what actual like businesses and like companies look like and just like what yeah. what you actually know about about the company, right? Whether that goes for like pay or like the operations or just like how internal things are like discussed and like talked about. It's just like th- th- there was just like no it just wasn't comparable, right? And so, yeah, when I first heard of when Ben first pr- approached me with the idea of yeah, we're gonna do the, we're gonna get everything verified, right? We're gonna talk to Sam, maybe some other people, and we're we're gonna get this stuff out there. I was way excited about it, right? And me and John, like you said, we we sat down, we did an internal audit for like three hours one day, where we went through all the numbers, all the back end sheets, all the past our supports, like over and over again. Some of the numbers that we thought were right ended up being a little bit lower, a little bit worse, but that's fine, right? We want to yeah. get what's actually true. Um, and then we went over to door to door experts for two two and a half hours and. Same thing. They, they saw all the back end reports, every, every detail. And yeah, I'm, I'm way excited about it. I just think it's one more step in making sure that, uh, that, <laughs> that door to door companies and summer sales is run like a legitimate business. Right. Yeah. And if, and if kids, if kids that are 18, 19 years old, that are many of which have literally zero money, zero income, right. Are willing to give up their summer and are trusting people to, to take their hand and, and guide them and make sure they have a good experience, but it's based off of total false pretenses and they don't know what they're getting themselves into. That, that just, that just like, that just doesn't sit well with me. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think you have so many people historically that, are, that just what, like, if you, if you, we all know the people, right. That you try to recruit and there's like, no, like I'm not, I'm not doing summer sales. Right. Yeah. And a big part of that is just because the, the industry rightfully has had uh, a reputation of th- there's just been slime and just 
just not yeah just not good and and going on to this right like if i was to put into you know one sentence or like one one thing that you were in charge of this summer like it was to increase the per rep yield right yeah. and like and because like, basically what you said is like pulling all the levers this that and the other to increase the per rep yield that is in our you know in our uh verified posts here it is is underlined it's bold it's in the first post we believe here at the grid that the per rep yield is king right like if you are making yeah. your decision on where you should go sell this summer look at a company's per rep yield and you can make your decision up a, a huge part of your decision at least based off the per rep yield now what is that it is all the revenue that the company produces throughout the summer, right? Every penny from day one where people start knocking or even including blitzes, preseason, whatever it is, total revenue divided by every single rep that at least got a sale, mm -hmm. right? A sale, not to show up to market, but like got one, it could totally just be one sale. We had a bunch of those. They get one sale, they realize that this job's not for them, they go home. They should be counted, right? What is per rep yield, right? The total revenue, that is really, really important though. You talk about all the levers and maybe even Hammy, if you want to touch on this, some of the things that go into the per rep yield, the to why, why is it so important that we take total serviced revenue by the company? Why is that number so important? Yeah, just because so often any like data statistic can be like manicured or, 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 uh, or talked about in a way that makes it seem like good or bad whether whether you're looking at one specific statistic or in context to like another one but per rep yield is just unique in the sense that it's it's super simple like like so so simple to calculate that it can't really tell any other story than just how good is the program or the company that you're plugging into right what's the likelihood that I have a successful summer if I work with this company, right? Total, total serviced, total serviced revenue, right? Divided by reps with the sale, right? And then you think of all the things that go into, go into total serviced revenue, right? Well, sold, sold the service goes into that. Average contract goes into that. Training goes into that, right? Rep performance, uh, the leadership and the management, uh, the culture, right? Every, everything, literally everything that could affect the the experience and the success of a rep summer in some way or another is is reflected in per rep yield right you can't maintain the same per rep yield but decrease your sold, sold to service or like sell less like have a lower acv and then per rep yield not change like every everything everything is reflected in that right and a, a few probably probably about a month ago uh ben had me read uh one of jeff bezos letter to the shareholders right yeah where, where he talks about how their company has like, Amazon had like 452 goals or something like that. And that very oftentimes like senior leaders at Amazon, when they read these reports, they're, they're shocked at how, how few times things like revenue or like cash flow or like gross margin are like mentioned in their reports, right? Or like the outputs of the business, right? The outputs very much tell you like the success of the business, but they don't focus on the outputs. They only focus on the inputs, right? things that go into running a successful company. So all the things that, that go into running a successful door-to-door -door program, right? Training, culture, uh, sold to service, uh, every, everything that I just mentioned, all of those, if you just focus on those, your per rep yield will be good. Yeah. Right. If, if a company says they have, yeah, we have way good training. It's the best thing in the industry. Oh, but our per rep yield sucks. Hmm. It's like, oh, okay. 
So like that, that doesn't make sense, right? That's why we think that per rep yield is like, is, should be the guiding principle and the true north of, of the success and the, the efficiency and, and just the, the quality of any program or company that you plug into. I think the mo- one of the most important, cause you made so many compelling points right there. I think the one that is most prevalent in our space right now, it's not quite half truth, but it kind of is. It's, it's using, like you said, it's manicuring pieces of data without context to seem incredibly advantageous. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the grits attrition was whatever, 21 and a half, 24 and a half percent. Ours was 11%. Well, then you start to look at contract values yeah. and you realize, okay, well, way quickly, we haven't talked about contract values. Well, they're selling a doubly more expensive contract. Logic would dictate that I should probably have less attrition statistically. Yeah. And so, but no one talks about that. No. Yeah. And uh, like to make that clear, like we, we for sure care about attrition, right? We want to do everything we can to like, to minimize that, but that's not, you can't just look at attrition and be like, Oh, I'm going to sell for these guys. Cause their attrition is lower than the grits. It's like, or, I'm, or, or on the flip side of that, Oh, I'm going to sell for these guys. Cause their contract value is yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It goes with any one piece of data that gets thrown around in recruiting meetings or in the process of decision-making it's it's entirely overdue for reps to stop making decisions based off of an incomplete set of data. Hundred like percent. It is totally overdue for reps to be able to make one hundred percent informed decisions on exactly what is right, not just by one, two, or three points of data, but by all of the points that are going to lead to a successful and impactful summer. And you hope, obviously, with this new initiative that you could say we're starting, but we're just, hopefully we're just the, the, the first ones to do it. I would love to see everybody do this and who cares if your numbers, like hopefully if you're a smaller company, your numbers are better than ours. Like I, I applaud you. If your numbers are a little bit worse, hopefully it puts your feet to the fire the same way it's going to do for us in the sense that we're going to post these numbers again in 2024 or in, yeah, in 2024 yeah. after 2023, we're going to do it. So hopefully our numbers are better. It's a challenge to everybody to stop with this bull crap. Uh, our 12 week per rep average. Oh, is that a rookie per rep, per rep average? Well, no, it's it. Oh, is it 12 weeks? Oh, well, no, it's a 14 week. Oh, okay. like, what are we talking about? No, no, no. Everybody has the data. We have it. Every single door to door pest company, solar as well. Every, they have this data. Let's get it out there so everybody can make informed decisions. I'm so proud to work at the grit because we are hopefully trailblazing and being one of the first to do this. I also am really proud of the great because I genuinely think our numbers are the best. Right? I'll go out and say it, but prove me wrong. Prove them. Maybe our numbers aren't the best, but I'm proud that we're able to put them forward because they are so good. But everybody listen to this. If you are an owner, if you're a regional, step up and, and do it, right? The other point that I want to make before before we move on from the verified posts, because we could sit here and and rant and rave about these for hours and hours, which is why we've like poured so much effort and time yeah. into the creation of the posts. And there's a whole follow-up campaign to, to, edu- to hopefully educate and inspire the space to do some of these things that, that we're mentioning. But in my opinion, one of the things that is most incorrect, and I want to ask Hammy his opinion on this afterwards, one of the things that is most incorrect in recruiting is people are recruiting almost entirely on what's to come. Yeah. Which the reality is like, there is nothing stopping me from saying if I'm only (laughs) recruiting on what's going to happen and not what has happened, there is nothing stopping me from saying literally, Oh yeah, dude, our, our contracts are going to be 1700 bucks a piece next year. 1700 ACV. What's stopping me from saying that? Nothing. What's stopping me from saying we're going to have 30 golden doors, 50 golden doors, 
literally nothing is stopping me from saying that because it's entirely arbitrary. And like there hasn't been any barometer or any accountability in the space up to this point. And so when I sit down with reps, I think why the grid has had good success recruiting in the three years we've been around is because we recruit on what's already happened. Yep. When you're recruiting on what's to happen, well, dude, your case is as good as anybody else's. Yep. It's whoever's going to get the most crafty up on the whiteboard. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's who's going to win that recruiting Who can battle. do the best math? Whoever, whoever's going to skew it and, and manicure it in the way that, that, that makes their company have the best flavor, that's, that's who's going to come out on top in that situation if you're recruiting on what's to come and not what's already transpired. Because if you recruit on what's already transpired, regardless of if that's here or another company or anywhere else, at least you're making an educated decision based off of performance, based off of what you've already done. Because who's to say what's going to happen because the best indicator of future is the past. So I, I, I'm, I'm really, really passionate about there's been no accountability and it's really easy to recruit on hypotheticals. Well, like, why don't we require recruiting on actual merits? Yeah. So, Hammy, what, what do you think is, is the most, like, glaring hole in, in door-to-door recruiting, or if there's one thing that you could change in the way that door-to-door recruiting takes place, what, what would that be? Yeah, honestly, I, th- I think you hit most of it. But if if in any in any in if in any recruiting meeting you're having to recruit on, like you said, like on the hypotheticals, or like yeah, we think this is what next year is going to look like, rather than no, this is what like last year or the last three years have looked like, right? Yeah, we've increased contract value by. 20 to 30% like year, year after year, right? We're going to keep doing that, right? The track record proves that, right? So if I could just, if I could, if I could change anything about the way recruiting is done right now in this space, honestly, I think, I think we're just, we're, we're on, we're on the path of hopefully trying to make everybody do it more or less the same way of just do it off of things that are true. Right. And just, relevant. Ju- yeah. Th- they're relevant. Just, just, just don't deceive people. Like tell, tell the full truth, right. Be transparent. Even if that makes you a little bit worse, people respect that way more anyways. Right. Such facts. Just, just do it the right way. Like there, it, there's just no, there's just no excuse for why, why it doesn't need to be done the right way with, with numbers and statistics and, and just things that, that are real and that, that have actually happened. It's just facts yeah, with, without taking too much time on this. It's just interesting to see companies that have been around, 10 years, 12 years, eight years, 15 years, and they're recruiting on next year. It's like, oh, you don't have a 15-year sample size to pull from? Come on. It's yeah. like, dude, Come you, on. you've been doing this since I was in elementary school. It's like, we're, 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 but we're talking about next year and what the contract values are potentially going to be next year. And so I, I just think the reason why like summer sales has gotten such a nasty taste in people's mouth is because it's always the next year. Yeah. And it's always the next year you're going to have a big summer. And it's, it's always, always the it's next just, year. It's always the shiny object. It's just always like... It's a carrot at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. When in reality, I mean, we've been around for three years and somehow we've managed to find a way mm. to recruit off of, off of track record. And two years is great marketing. So my, my point is, I, I just think it, everything that we're doing, and I'm not, not to say that like we're doing absolutely everything right because we have so far to go as a company mm-hmm, and I sure. really mean that. But like, I love that we're taking steps in the direction of total transparency because we can all agree that door to door is too good of an opportunity to squander. Like, regardless sure. of who you do it for, I'd rather see a young person sell door to door and have it not be for me than not do door to door at all. Such for because sure. because the impact that it's had on everyone in this room and most of the people listening, 
is unquantifiable. Dude, life-changing. Life-changing, literally. So, Well, on that, right, because I, I totally agree. The opportunity is there, and nothing is worse, though, is when, than when you're doing a recruiting meeting. This guy's like, oh, they told me this is going to happen. They go out with that team, that company, that group for that reason, have a terrible experience, and you know that person would have been a stud, right? They were they were smart, they were talented, they were hardworking, they were well-versed, like they were the full package. They go out, their expectations were not met, and then they're done. It is just such an opportunity just squandered by deceit and just, you know, just, just half-truths, maybe not even total lies, but just half-truths. Mm-hmm. So I totally agreed. So that being said, Hammy, this leads us into our last question for you. We would love to get your perspective and your opinion, love for you to speak on the next five to 10 years of what you foresee for the grit. And why should we all be excited? That's a good question. So, hmm. so when I, when I just sold for, for three years, I guess two, two with the grit or was it just one, just one with the grit as grit marketing, right? Yeah. I was always like way, way bought in, way all in on the grit, right? People would reach out to me, DM me, DM me on Instagram here and there. What was your best summer? Just so the, the school, the family, the, the family knows. Oh, it's, it was a very humble 200 K and, and yeah, hey. 200 K. <laughs> That's yeah. not very humble. That's great. Okay. Keep going. No, but anyway, so I, I would occasionally get recruited and like, I'll be the first to say, I had never heard anyone else out just cause I was so in on the grit. Like yeah. I've, I've always, I've always believed in it. Right. And now stepping back on the corporate side and seeing and seeing everything that the grit does, right? The, the, the leaders, the managers and everything that everyone does to make the company what it is. I'm like way, way more bought in than I, than I, than I ever have been. Right. And I think the biggest reason why I have so much trust in the future of the grit as a company is because I look at who's like, who, who's at the, who's at the helm, right? Who's, who's at the, who's at the front of the ship. And it's all people that have, that have just a clear vision of, of what they want the company to look like and what they want for their people, right? Whether that's both of you guys, whether that's Ben, John, Drew, Parker, Skyler, all these guys have such a clear vision of, no, this is what, or, or Josh, even on the creative side, right? On the marketing side, Josh and Jake and Mark, don't forget Mark, right? It's, this is what we want it to be. This is what we think it could be. And we will work relentlessly until it is that. Right. Yeah. And like all, I remember, I, I think it was this Sunday, my mom asked me like, Jake, how long do you think you'll work at the grit? And I'm like, I have no idea, but I would hate nothing more than to, than to leave for some other, uh, other opportunity in, in three to five years, because I know that I would look back or that I'd look across the island 15 years down the line. And I'd be like, the grit is what I thought it would become. And I left and I left and I didn't see it through. Like yeah. I, I wholeheartedly believe that when you fast forward 10, 15 years, that the grid's going to be special, like really, really special, do awesome things, not only in this space, but not, and not only in the impact that like we have on each other's lives and, and on Utah or whatever. Right. And not just on the door to door space, but I think that really, really special and really cool things will, will come to fruition in the next five, 10, 15 years. And I, I, I don't want to miss out. Yeah, it's just refreshing to hear, right? Like, I, I totally agree with you. It almost gives me chills. Like, people feel that way. I know I feel that way. I'm speak for Easton. I'm sure Easton feels that way. And it's like everybody, if I could see what the grit is going to be in five years, ten, shoot, our building's going to be done in the next, you know, 10 years are, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Basically, hopefully end of September. But, like, I totally agree. I think it's going to be so cool to see in 10 years and be like, wow, 
This is what we've all done. This is what I was a part of. It is going to be really cool. So if you're not here, our arms are open. We'd love to have you, love to build something with you. And for if you are here, buckle up because I think we're just getting started. It's a great ride. <sighs> Water's warm. That's right. Stay a while. <laughs> Hammy, thank you so much. We love you. The most, potentially the most unsung hero of the grit. Such facts. We love you a ton. As for this episode of the landing pad, we've all been inspired. Hopefully we make changes, but we out. Sees my